Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Thank you for clicking play and for downloading this week's episode of the Smart Gilas Pilipinas podcast. My name is Stan. My name is Ro. And we are recording from the Mellow 94.7 studios here in Mandaluyong City. I got to ask you, man, it's been one crazy several days or several batch of days. How are you doing? It's only Wednesday. Wow. Can you believe that? And I'm doing okay. I'm actually happy to be here. Uh, it's been really crazy at work lately and recording the podcast is the most favorite thing I look forward to every week. I hope that the traffic, though, isn't, hasn't been as bad on you. Uh, well, it was traffic outside. It was raining. Not so bad, but it was still raining. And uh, I, it, took, it took me a while to get here. But I'm here now. Uh, let's do this. I am so pumped up. I am, I'm glad you're pumped up because I'm not as pumped up as I normally am. I'm actually feeling under the weather right now. And I guess it's a little bit because of all the things things that have been happening on top of the traffic, on top of the weather changes lately. One of those things that did happen, though, was an event I got to witness firsthand. <laughs> let's talk about the fiasco at the Smart Araneta Coliseum last night as of recording time. We call this the Gilas Last Homestand. And I think, I think that um, it's lived up to its name now. It's, it might just be the last homestand for, well, PLDT at least. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> there's so many things that a lot of people have been complaining. I guess the biggest part is how they build and advertised an exhibition game between select NBA players and all-stars against our own national team. Well, if you're from the Philippines uh, listening to us right now, I'm sure you'd have, you'd have heard of this already. Uh, I'm sure you'd have heard already of what went down last night as of recording time um, or what did not go down. That's right. That's right. Um, I was there. I was there firsthand. When I got my tickets, uh, my contact was already inside actually told me, bro, walang game. May drills lang. And I was like, my drills lang. And I checked my watch. It was 8.45. How could they be doing drills at 8 fucking 45? And I was online um, last night. Uh, I, I heard the news. I was on Twitter. I was on Facebook. And you know, as on as on Twitter, uh, news moves fast. Right. And I think I found out before you did because you texted me, uh, "Well, in game." Right. What right. the fuck? Yeah. And I said, like, I know. I'm seeing this on Twitter right now. See, I was actually curious that um, the arena, the Araneta Coliseum, wasn't buzzing as much as it would be for a high-profile basketball game, only to find out as soon as I entered the upper box that a lot of people were pissed and they were already booing by the time I entered. Right, and it took us a while. Uh, it took us you know, a bit of time last night to figure out what really happened. Uh, at first, I thought that they weren't playing the game because Blake Griffin and Paul George, uh, two of the NBA superstars, advertised to be in the game last night. They weren't there. So I thought they were canceling the game because of that. But in there, it's because of an issue with the NBA and the promoters where the promoters didn't get the clearance from the NBA for an actual five-on-five exhibition game to be held here in the Philippines. They weren't able to submit the requirements on time and they couldn't get clearance. As a result, the NBA had to 
uh, abide by the collective bargaining agreement. And uh, an NBA official actually flew in here to the Philippines to wow. and uh, threatened uh, fines and suspensions. Wait, they, they to flew. The they flew in here. I thought uh, someone, you know, someone called the, someone from the Philippines, uh, someone from NBA Philippines or whatever. I actually saw somebody on Twitter who reported that somebody from the NBA actually flew in here on top of having representatives of the NBA calling wow. up people like Kyle they're, Lowry. They're fast. Kyle Lowry was actually uh, quoted as having worried about his career uh, during the uh, during the events of last night. Now, some of my highlights, my personal. Highlights uh, you were, go on that before I before I get into this uh, right. before I rip into the to the organizers. So go on. Sure. Uh, some of my highlights were hearing the crowd chanting "refund, refund, refund." My only regret was not having captured that on video myself. I also heard this one dude in the upper box who just really yelled out of anger, "Balik ni pero!" And I would have honestly paid for the disgruntled crowd to set the house on fire and and just sing, "Do you hear the people sing, sing the songs of angry men?" Yo yo, I thought you had a sore throat. What the hell? I'm trying to get into this like as, as energetically as I can. All right, all right, that's good. Anyway, uh, yeah, um, if I were there, and normally I, I don't like angry mobs, um, I don't like mob mentalities. Uh, uh-huh. Um, but I could understand. I could understand why they were so upset because, come on, come on. Um, the first thing I thought of was that uh, I gave them the benefit of the doubt first. I gave the organizers the benefit of the doubt and maybe um, they were trying to, uh, maybe they knew all along that they couldn't uh, stage the game uh, as they planned. But they were trying to work behind the scenes all leading up to last night and trying to get um, trying to get the approval from the NBA in the states, and to be fair, that was actually happening. There were reports that have come out. Sources have uh, gone online and said that that was some of the th- uh, things that were happening. They, um, the people involved, were trying to get clearance, were trying to get permission, but they weren't able to until game time rolled around. But come on, okay, okay, that's that was me giving them the benefit of the doubt. But this time, um, on the other side of the coin, on the other end of the table. Uh, MVP Manny V. Pangilinan's legal team should have done all their homework um, uh, in during the negotiations for this event. And well, okay, uh, news reports coming out today have stated that yeah, um, they did do their due their due diligence, but uh, it just wasn't enough. And it is unfair. Uh, it was unfair to the people who paid for the tickets. It was an unfortunate circumstance, and it just sucked that this whole this whole thing devolved into a bad PR case study. But now that now that we know that hindi pala po, na alam pala nila dati pa na hindi pala po Right. Now that we know that, it just smacks of bad faith. The whole thing, the whole event, the whole the whole hype for it, just smacks of bad faith. Come on, they knew they couldn't have a game, so they tried. You know, they tried leading us on, uh, leading the, the, the people who paid for tickets on. Just and they tried to word it as it just being a charity event, as it being a showcase, as it being a basketball clinic, not specifically saying the word game itself or not including that word. But if you look at some of the emails that were sent out, some of the texts that were sent out in order to encourage fans to advertise uh, the event, the word game was actually there. Right, sure, and um, yeah, actually, that's that's another thing. That was they were also trying to disguise the fact that that they were having a game by calling it, you know, a basketball clinic that would eventually have a five-on-five scrimmage. 
And it was uh, like like we said earlier, it's a case in bad PR. It's a good case study on bad PR because um, you know they could have taken the whole "let's get sympathy for ourselves." Route yeah, right, right. And apologized, humbly accepted the fact that they messed up, and you know they could have offered the refund. Instead, one of the first things that was actually said at the arena, and this was before I got arrived, right, sure. Uh, a high, 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 a high ranking executive from PLDT actually said that you have to remember this is a charity event. We're going to offer total refunds, but you have to keep in mind, this is a charity event. Wait, that wasn't the, the worst thing he said, though. The worst uh, thing he said was yeah, that we never said that the game was actually going to take Boom. place. Boom. That is, you know, that, that if, if you weren't, if you were doubting about the bad faith uh, involved in this uh, advertising, this, in this promotion, that, that phrase, that sentence um, cements it. Because, guys, you don't, you don't point out the loophole to your dissatisfied customers. Parang, you're just saying, okay, we didn't tell you that there was going to be a game. We specifically worded it as to not imply that there was going to be a game. But by, by, showing, by, by, telling, by pointing out the loophole, that you're telling the people, hey, guys, guess what? This is how we fooled you. This is how we cheated you of your money. And that's not going to get you any sympathy. Far exactly, from it. Exactly, right, right. That's going to get people hating on you and calling for your head to roll. Right. And wow, parang, wow. They, did they not think of what they were going to say to all this, all these angry people? You know what? I felt so bad for Coach Shot. I felt so bad for all the other personalities involved, especially our boys from Gilas Pilipinas, our, uh, the NBA stars that came over. Nakakahiya. Let's right. call it. Let's call it. Uh, let's call a spade a spade. Nakakahiya inangyare. Um, it's easy to put, to paint the NBA as the villain here because they were the ones who didn't give permission at all. Yeah. Pero um, they're just playing by the rules. That's yo. right. Um, kung di talaga pwede, if the East-West uh, private holdings or whatever they're called, the, the third-party organizer that uh, was responsible for bringing over the NBA players to the Philippines, um, if they were if they were not able to pass to submit the requirements to get uh, the players in. The law is the law, the rule is the rule. And I think the, the, the biggest mistake here was trying to push through with the event, even though they knew that they couldn't do it. What was wrong with um, you know, postponing it to next year? What's the rush? Right, I don't understand the logic behind uh, trying, to, trying to see how many more people they could goad into just agreeing and cheering the rest of the night. I couldn't blame the crowd that booed so loudly when the hosts were like, are you guys having fun? And everyone's like, <laughs> of course, oh, Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. But, um, but at the same time, um, uh, I was thinking then, since uh, they managed to push through with it, how much did MVP know about this? Because... Uh, that's a good question. Um, did, did the third-party organizer, the third-party entity, agency, uh, lie to him and say, we can get these guys, don't worry about it, uh, just chill? Or was he led on to believe na, okay, well, MVP knew, but was he led on to believe na uh, they could find a way around it? You know what, regardless of whatever MVP knew about the whole fiasco and what happened behind the scenes, I have to show the guy some respect for actually uh, for, for putting up a good apology in front of the press, in front of the media, and for you know coming across as being remorseful, being disappointed himself. He didn't show a lot of pride when he explained his side and when he tried to say to everybody that he was sorry and that he was offering total refunds. That's how you get good PR. You draw right. sympathy towards yourself. That's true. And if you don't any, go on the defense. If anything... Um, Regardless of whether he did mean it or whether of whether he knew 
that um, whether what, whatever his participation in the whole thing was, yeah. well, he does know how to play a crowd. He does know how to uh, how to curry favor for himself. Right, right. And he could make a good manager in a wrestling ring one of these days. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose. But I guess, I think, I think the best course of action, talaga, once they found out that they, that they couldn't have a game with the NBA players, postpone along to next year uh, where they had enough time to you know to just to just get permission right right get um, permission make sure that all the paperwork was filed instead of goading people into you know the idea that they were going to get something that they couldn't get they couldn't possibly deliver and then sideswiping them with the announcement that it's a charity event you have to feel guilty if you're going to ask for your money back because this is going to go to like the survivors of the typhoon but uh, um yeah but it's not a simple donation eh? but, it's um, not it's not it's not like it's still a sale Right, uh, you still uh, the customer still paid to get something in return. All that changed there was where the money was going. Uh huh. Um, it um the the customers have every right to do whatever they want with their money. Parang if they're not getting what they want uh, with the money, then they have every right to not give it to them. A side note on all of this is how much money is actually going down the drain. Sure, it's around. Uh, it, it's been calculated to about. 200 million pesos and that includes MVP's upcoming birthday party so suffice it to say that I'm pretty confident heads will roll I'm sure I'm sure um, they should they should talaga um, if um, well they said that they, they did their own their, their proper due diligence right. but if they didn't wow that, that would have been so dumb because come on guys uh, you should have known better you should have known that the NBA was run by a lawyer uh-huh. is run by a lawyer that's right uh, the contracts are ironclad um, it's all there it's all written out in black and white in black and white um, it was easy uh, two years ago because there was a lockout and there was no collective bargaining agreement but Meaning, now that the, the yeah. CBA is here now, for those who don't know pala, um, the CBA is the, is the contract that binds the players to the league that's right and it was easy to, to bring the players over last time because uh, there was no contract they weren't playing for anything as of that time so technically in 2011 all those guys from Kobe to Kevin Durant to James Harden they were kind of free agents in a sense and that's why they could come over here and play an exhibition game without a hitch but uh, this year it's a different case different story altogether all in all just a bad bad PR yeah, move yeah just, just bad and it was really handled terribly up until uh, MVP took the mic himself. So uh, I guess um, you know somebody's got to be held accountable, and we're gonna wait and see how this all plays out. While we do that, though, we have to, uh, and we gotta thank you for allowing us actually to fill, give give you our two cents on the matter. Because even though this isn't exclusively a basketball podcast, hell, it's a wrestling podcast. It is a current event that. Everybody and their mother has been talking about since it went down. Yeah, yo, I think um, if we didn't talk about it, you guys would have called us out on it. Yeah, exactly. You know, oh, come on, these guys watch basketball. They've talked about basketball before on the podcast. So, parang, oh, why didn't you talk about the the homestand thing? But here it is, and uh, uh, here it know, is. Uh, we're just happy to share our two cents with you. Yeah, with that, it's nothing new. Um, we don't, we can't change what happened. Oh yeah, um, for sure, for sure, we can't change it. But uh, well, if you want our opinion, this is our opinion. And if you have something to say, of course, you can tweet us at Stan947. At Roazwar. And uh, you can also tweet us about whatever you hear on this episode of the SGP podcast. We're coming off the heels of a huge draw. And of course, right before that, the Battleground pay-per-view. Right, the Battleground pay-per-view. Not the biggest show uh, in the calendar, like I said before. But it's a necessary stop. Um, 
big things happened and big things didn't happen. Um, it was, you know, it was it, it was one chapter on the road to well, to SummerSlam, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. And well, since we've had uh, the past few days full of wrestling, it's now time for the things we like and don't like, aka the spots, spots and, and botches list. All right, uh, let's start off with our first spot, and we do a recap of the previous week. So that means NXT from last week is counted. I got to put this on the spots list. Sami Zayn versus Tyson Kidd. That was one hell of a match. Right, right, right. For sure. Um, not, Nothing less than you would expect from these two at uh-huh. all. I, I came in with good expectations. Uh, I, I was not disappointed at all. And I loved it. I loved the finish, most especially when Sami Zayn was able to counter Tyson Kidd's offense and then just apply the Koji clutch. And he applied it so convincingly. Beautiful Koji clutch, yeah. That's right. It was so convincing, so beautiful. And, you know, you had to kind of feel for Tyson, but you also had to just show some love and admiration for Sami Zayn. Yo, Sami Zayn is going to win championships with that Koji clutch. I'm He's telling you. He's going to be now. legit. Right. And before we move on from NXT, for the. Biggest thing from NXT, uh, I, I forgot to put this in the spots list. There's no space for it. But real quick, Body Villain's entrance. I loved it. Body Villain's entrance from last week. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go look for a copy of NXT last week and then just watch the first segment. They've got a good gimmick going on. Aiden English and Simon Gotch, they, are, uh, they, they play carnies, uh, essentially. Uh, not necessarily carnies, but they are, they're, kind of, they're kind of a throwback gimmick. Right, right. And they're so thrown back. That they pull a Charlie Chaplin and don't actually say anything. Yeah, and th- when they come in into uh, an interview segment backstage, uh, the the screen goes black and white. Uh, they don't talk at all. They just have they just bring up cue cards and say uh, whatever they're saying, and that's so funny. Come on, uh, it's yeah. genius. I it's hope genius. we really see genius. that on Raw and SmackDown. It's a comedy. It's a comedy gimmick, but it's gonna go places. I think. Um, yeah, real quick, just see, just go watch last week's NXT. It's all there. All right, uh, next spot on the list. We've been talking about her for quite some time, and it was only a matter of a matter of time until Paige turned full on heel. Yeah, I was actually expecting it to happen at the battleground paper right after uh, she lost to AJ, uh-huh. and they did a really nice thing. They did a nice thing of postponing it. I, I thought it was going to happen. It looked like it was going to happen. It didn't happen. It happened uh, the next night or Raw. And it was good the way that it happened uh, with AJ and Paige having won a match against Natalia and Emma. And then as they were celebrating, Paige just, uh, just struck AJ from behind, pulled her hair down, and then proceeded to attack AJ with utmost brutality. And this Paige is a Paige I like so much more than Babyface Paige just because she has so much more character now. Right. Uh, she, is, she, has, she brings more intensity as a heel. And the only problem that I can see with this uh, heel turn was that um, it was really telegraphed. Because from the beginning, palang. Uh, ever since uh, in that match, in that championship rematch where Paige lost the title back to AJ, you knew it was happening. If only we didn't see it was happening, it could have gone on better. But that's not to say it wasn't good. I think she can still be effective, especially with the way that she portrays herself. I mean, it's um, not every not every diva, especially in 2014, has been effective at being an angry heel and at being an intense heel. And it's so... Uh, it's it's so nice to juxtapose that with Paige's frame. Like you look at her, and she she looks so beautiful. She looks so so fun to hug. Like the type of girl. <laughs> yeah, I could, yeah, I could hug her. Um, I could be afraid of her. But I could also hug her. Right, the type of girl I could bring home to my mother. Sure. But at the same time, I knew I I know that if she was in a bar fight, she could kick ass. Would you would your mother be okay with that? Uh, that's a different question altogether. <laughs> right. Anyway, okay. Um. So heel page turn, heel turn for page spot. It is a spot for this week. Uh, our next spot on the, uh, on the list is from the Battleground pay-per-view. 
the battle royal for the Intercontinental Championship. We have a lot to say about this, actually. Actually, yeah. Um, um, it wasn't a wasted. It wasn't a filler match at all. No. Um, you would expect, you know, battle royals to be, you know, just time wasters. But since this was this one was for the uh, Intercontinental Championship, it was. Uh, it went the whole mile. It had an odd number of participants at 19, especially sure. well, that since, doesn't matter in the end, right? Especially since RVD was pulled out uh, unexplained. We'll get into that later. But everybody or most everybody got their moments. Like just to recap, some of the big moments from that battle royal. You had Kofi and Big E. Uh, of course, you had Kofi's signature uh, signature spot in a battle royal where it appears he gets eliminated, but, and then something yeah, happens. He uses his athleticism to to not get eliminated. Right. We've seen him like hang on to. Uh, Hang on to the ring barrier before right. We've seen him on the chair of we've an announcer him, We've seen him jump onto the other ring barrier from, from the ring apron Right, but this time around He lands on Big E's shoulders And they're not even you know a week into being a fully-fledged team yet But, wow, they, they've, been, they've been working as though they've been together forever And it, it was a good spot I loved it I love how you know Big E, even though he was eliminated He still saved Kofi and helped Kofi get back in the match Another spot I liked was when Heath Slater got to eliminate Cesaro Imagine, imagine that for a second Heath Slater eliminated the King of Swing, Cesaro He got a great reaction Yeah, Cesaro was able to get revenge on Kofi and Big E By managing to eliminate Kofi and Big E but Heath Slater got the better of Cesaro. So what does that say about Heath Slater now? Huh? Well, not much. Um, it just it just tells me that Cesaro wasn't winning the, the title either. Obviously, obviously. Sure. And then there was the nice uh, final two setup between Dolph Ziggler and Sheamus. Right, right, and. It was really intense, but I thought Sheamus was going to take it home. I actually thought Sheamus was going to win also. And then when Ziggler pulled off the victory, it was nice. And then and the split second... That split second of celebration, and then the Miz happened. <laughs> and we'll get to that later. We will get later, to that. Bro. Suffice it to say, it was a great battle royal. We enjoyed it. It's a spot on the list. And and we not to mention that not just not that not just we enjoyed it, but um, we also called it right. That's right, we did because both of us did call for the Miz winning at that battle royal. And it was true. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of that battle royal, BNB made an appearance as advertised, but. He didn't hand over the Intercontinental Championship to the winner, and that's just one. Well, of, that's just one of three things that went unannounced. At yo, the yo, it's okay, it's okay, because um, I wasn't expecting him to hand it. I wasn't expecting him to hand it over nicely. I would have wanted for BNB and the Miz to reignite their rivalry. Remember that rivalry over the title last year? No, <laughs> but I, I did. I do, not. I do. I was watching, but I do not. You know why? Why? Because Miz was a face. Ah, okay. I get that. I get that, but. You know, just from a continuity standpoint, knowing that the Miz won, it would would have been nice to see Bad News Barrett like deliver a bullhammer oh, to yeah, Miz, sure. okay. essentially becoming a good guy. But you know, um, they didn't explain why uh, why he he didn't even present the Intercontinental Championship. It was also weird not having Rob Van Dam there, even though he was advertised. And I think we were all expecting to see Adam Rose go toe to toe with Damian Sandow in the pre-show in the kickoff of. Uh, of Battleground Instead we had Fandango face Adam Rose And Damien Sandow Was in the Battle Royal A lot of unexplained things which Yeah which I is no, that, wasn't, weird. that one was weird Because um, they, uh, Leading up to To Battleground They showed uh, They explained Fandango As you know Wanting to Win the championships He even approached Summer Rae and Layla And you know Telling them Oh 
you should get with a champion soon. Right, that's right. He did have that segment. I believe that was on SmackDown. It was, it was. The SmackDown before Battleground. And then for him to suddenly be pulled away from that Battle Royal and placed in a program with Adam Rose was kind of odd. Really, really weird. And what... I just can't explain it. Um, but again, it, poor storytelling. Again, again, not as consequential because um, in the in the final analysis, these guys weren't winning the championship anyway. Okay, okay. Uh, let's get to the next botch on our list, and this is you know how there are promos uh, in the form of talk shows. Like we've seen them in the Cutting Edge, we've seen Miz TV, we've seen the Barber Shop sure. and Piper Spit, sure. and of course our favorite Chris Jericho's highlight reel, which is the subject for today. I'm sure. Go on. Because on this week's Raw, Chris Jericho was actually billed as having a highlight reel segment, and it was already announced that Bray Wyatt would be a special guest for this week. Okay. And I find that weird because Chris Jericho and Bray Wyatt are supposed to be enemies. They're not mm-hmm. just rivals, they're enemies. That's true. So if you're going to have a talk show and then special guest na agad yung kaaway ni Chris Jericho, what's going to stop Bray Wyatt from attacking Chris Jericho agad agad? Like, um, I don't believe that they can have like a civilized conversation within the concept of a talk show. Now, you know what? I, could, I was able to suspend my disbelief with regard to this because... Um, Sure, it doesn't make sense that Chris Jericho would invite his uh, his nemesis yeah. on his talk show, but um, you know the logical thinker in me um, thought that Chris would, and maybe he had a plan because uh, you know uh, Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family has been punking him out uh, for the past few weeks now. And if you've seen Raw, that's exactly what they did. They, they punked him yeah, out sure. in the locker room before he even got a chance to come out for the highlight reel. Well, I, I just thought he had a plan. Before before he was attacked, I thought he had a plan. Maybe he had a plan. Okay. Well, we know. Okay, but yeah, um, I guess logically, when you tell a story, you would expect things to actually make sense, and uh, that's my gripe about it, and that's why having Bray Wyatt advertised from the get-go as a special guest on the highlight reel is a botch. I was able to make sense of it, so okay, let's agree to disagree on this one, but we'll also have to disagree on the next one because um, the, our next, we can't call it a spot. I can't call it a botch, and next he can't item. call it a spot. The next item on our list is um, what happened with Rollins and Ambrose at the pay-per-view or what didn't happen. Right, because they have been building up to this for quite some time. Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins. It was supposed to be match number two on the card at Battleground. Instead, we got three, not one, not two, but three brawls. Right, and because uh, at backstage... uh, Ambrose attacked Rollins way before their match was supposed to start. Yep. And that caused Triple H to come out and throw Ambrose out the building. Uh-huh. And that's why we and and in doing so throw the match out as well. And when Seth Rollins actually did come out and when he was announced the winner by forfeit, guess who showed up? Dean Ambrose. <laughs> and wow, um the WWE really needs to hire a new head of security. <laughs> but um yeah, and we didn't get matches and I didn't realize until today yeah. or yesterday yeah. that people had a problem with this, that we didn't get the match as advertised. You know what? I have a huge problem with that, All especially right. because when you go back to what we talked about regarding the Gila's last home stand, sure. it was promoted in bad faith. Sure, We were expecting a solid match between Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. I would have, lived, I would have been fine with a count out, a DQ finish. I would have been okay with that. But the fact that we had... Three brawl segments, essentially something that could happen at any given Raw or SmackDown. I'm glad you mentioned the Gila's homestand analogy because I was thinking about it and I realized that unlike Gila's, unlike what happened last night, yeah. 
we're not not getting the the match. Right, you know right. We're still getting the match. And what happened today was a build up, um, was to build up the fact that we're getting the match on SummerSlam. And it's going to be bigger and better. And I agree. And like, and I see the point. I kind of understand. Yeah, but sure. Yeah, like, I, I understand that if you were in the live crowd as well, you would have been disappointed because um, a lot of people were expecting uh, Rollins and Ambrose to have the match of the night. Yeah, and you know what? I, I, I will give Ambrose this. He was like a ghost, a very annoying cockroach that just showed up wherever, especially that last segment where <laughs> yeah, yeah, Seth that. Rollins was trying to leave the parking lot. Was that even Seth's car? Um, he Ambrose was... You know, hiding in the trunk. H- hiding in the trunk, came out of the trunk and assaulted uh, uh, Rollins from behind. That was so funny. It was funny. It was funny. I will give them that. But like I said earlier, it was promoted in bad faith. We were expecting a match. We didn't get a match and that was kind of annoying. But so. it wasn't that much of bad faith. I'm just going to say that because um wow guys that that's how you sell a blood feud because uh, lately uh, nowadays you get um matches in which the two the two guys are supposed to hate each other uh-huh. but they have respect for the rules. If I were Ambrose, if you were Ambrose and you were hating on this guy who betrayed you, you betrayed your trust, your friendship, your brotherhood and isn't that how you would do how, is that how you would deal with him? Obviously, yeah. yeah you, you, would. you would be so mad that you would... Have, fuck the rules, man. Fuck, um, fuck having a, a formal match in between in, in the ring. I would just attack this guy wherever I see him. And this is actually very consistent with how Dean Ambrose's lunatic fringe character is being portrayed on TV. And I tweeted, um, once, uh, once the first segment was done, and, or, or, or I posted on Facebook. I just don't remember which. I posted something. I said... This is how you sell a blood feud. Okay. And now you're more interested in seeing uh, um, them throw down at SummerSlam. Of course I am. Of course I am. But as we said yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah, sure. I get it. We're going to have it. to agree to disagree. I'm just saying that, come on, guys. I, I think And it's a bad thing that And it's a good thing, I guess, that they're giving us this. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, very, it's really nice storytelling. Because... Uh, for once, uh, we're not going to get the old match, rematch, uh, third rubber match, uh, tiebreaker formula that would dilute such a feud. Uh, we're still getting these now, but uh, for, for Rollins and Ambrose, they're doing something different. Uh, some, not the one different, but throwing it back to when you know people actually hated each other. People hated each other, and they had that one gigantic payoff match, which for Rollins and Ambrose will take place at SummerSlam. Because keep in mind, uh, SummerSlam will actually be the third pay-per-view in which they're supposedly against each other in a match, counting MITB and Battleground. Right, exactly. So it's going to be big. Come on. Uh, trust, Trust the storytelling on this one. I promise you. It was a good thing that they did. All right, all right. Uh, again, agree to disagree. So we we can get to our next item on the spots and botch list. And wouldn't you know it, the Miz is actually a spot on our list this week. The Miz is yeah, because they had a really really good match on Raw. The Miz that, and Dolph right. Ziggler. Yeah, exactly. The Miz and Dolph Ziggler. It wasn't a title match. It no, was a non-title it wasn't, match. Wasn't. Uh, and uh, wow, Dolph made Miz look like a star. You know what? I I appreciated how Miz worked on Dolph's hamstrings before yeah, he successfully yeah. locked in the figure four. Right. And I was like, oh my God, finally Miz is working the legs. Right, right. <laughs> and I love the counters. I love the way that Dolph just used his uh, his skills and how he and Miz actually meshed pretty well. Yeah, he, he's, he's improving bit by bit. Uh, I think he's getting there again because he's a heel. I think he's found a new motivation to, to, to work better. And I hope... Um, it goes. It just goes up. Um, it's not. He's not back to his old self yet, 
but um, it's getting there. It's this Johnny there. Cage character for The Miz is actually working in his favor. Right. Good on you, Johnny Cage. <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't get that, you probably didn't get to play Mortal Kombat in the 90s. Uh, shame on you. Uh, I feel so sad for you. I feel so sad for you. Um, yeah, if you're not a 90s kid who didn't grow up in Mortal <laughs> Kombat, you're missing out so much. Anyway, moving on. Our next item on the list well, big news that happened at Raw. Cesaro is no longer a Paul Heyman guy. He's now auditioning to be a Paul Levesque guy. Uh, well, um, I like the idea of having Paul Heyman side with the authority. Okay. I do. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, a night, it means that he's moving on up. Right, right. So but but Paul Heyman and then Zeb Coulter, uh, they, were just, they were still stuck on mid-card. You don't, you don't elevate yourself to the main event uh, automatically just by sticking with Paul Heyman. But if you stick with, the tri- with Triple H, with the authority, uh, the guys who actually have the power to, to you know, give stuff to you, to give opportunities to you, that, that's something big. I think, I think it's a huge step for his career. Obviously, it helps build up the authority as a more reputable stable. Exactly, that's true, that's true. Now that you have Randy Orton there, Kane, Seth Rollins, and now Cesaro, the authority is so much stronger than it's ever been. But what we didn't like is the way that Cesaro and Paul Heyman parted ways, especially considering these factors. Right. Number one, Paul Heyman is also kind of aligned with the authority as of this Raw. That's true. Because of Plan C. Mm -hmm. Number two, Paul Heyman has had two separate clients before. We've discussed this last week. Yeah, last week. Two separate clients with two very different and dispa- uh, you know separated storylines, and I didn't see the logic behind needing to separate Cesaro from Brock Lesnar and from Paul Heyman. Yeah, I, I don't get the storyline there too. I don't get um, well, they haven't explained it yet, um, but I don't get it at all. Number three, you know, when Paul Heyman breaks up with somebody, it has to be done in a big way, like when he broke up with CM Punk. But wait, wait, he he didn't really break up with Ryback and Curtis Axel. Properly. That's true. That's true. There, uh, it was. Better you don't miss you, you don't miss that because uh, um, back then you didn't really think much of Ryback and Axel. Right, right. But now, uh, you know, you think you think a hell of a lot about Cesaro. So uh, just the way that it went down, you know, Cesaro announcing that he was parting ways with Paul Heyman. It was very underwhelming, very unceremonious. I think they could have had at least a nice little little segment in there where they could have really built it up. Right, and I guess. That, um, you know, aligning Cesaro with the authority is their way of trying to make up for that. Hopefully, it continues. I hope so as well. Uh, you know, he didn't, uh, Cesaro didn't really succeed in his audition test or in his tryout match where he was supposed to brutalize Dean Ambrose, but I loved but it. It was getting there. By the way, we didn't put it on the list, but Cesaro versus Ambrose was good. It was very good. And that's I've, a spot if I've ever seen one. It was a great match, uh, good finish as well. I mean, it's not every day that you root for a crazy guy with a steel chair who smashes it onto his opponent's shoulder. Blatantly. To Blatantly. lose a match. Right, right. right. You know, right. Just, just out of anger and frustration. And I guess it does say a lot as well about Dean Ambrose and about the development of his lunatic fringe character. And, well, Dean Ambrose is playing his part well. Um, people are getting behind him, even though he doesn't really play, you know, a clean-cut face. He's not offending anyone in the process, so that's okay. It doesn't run afoul of what the things I said last week. I'm looking forward to seeing the authority as a more concrete stable. Like, I wouldn't mind having them all come down to the, to the ring as one unit. Randy well, Orton is the lead guy alongside Triple H, and then you have Kane as the enforcer. No, you know, Randy Orton and Kane are falling out. 
fine, they are falling out, but you know they're still part of the authority. And then you have the young guns in Seth Rollins and, and Cesaro. Cesaro. Okay, okay. Um, that's good, that's good. I Not hope... exactly Evolution 2.0, but, but it's it'll a stable. Do. It'll do, it'll do. And I am a sucker for factions and stable, so uh, I'm all for that. All right, moving on. The, uh, the next botch on our list, come on. It's not a good feeling. It's not a good, not feeling. A good feeling at all. He no? isn't a wild one. Flo Rida was the guest, the special guest at Raw this week. And I didn't appreciate how he had to come out and perform at least three songs. And not only just perform three songs, but he pretty much sang and rapped over the tracks. <laughs> so parang dumobling kinakanta niya. I skipped it. I'm, I'm, I, I can't tell you anything. I skipped this uh, segment. <laughs> I skipped it enough for me to get to the good parts, but then I realized there weren't any good parts. And it just was annoying. It was a waste of time. It was, I guess, mga six, seven minutes, which could have gone to at least a solid match. Exactly. Which is why I skipped it. I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in seeing Florida. I, I'm not interested in seeing Florida punk Heath Slater out again. These are the times I wish Jinder and Drew were back. That's true. That's true. Anyway, uh, the next, the last item on our list is the trio, the current trio of Xavier Woods, Big E, and Kofi Kingston formed last night on Raw. And Roe over here actually has a name that he's come up with for these three, well, these three gentlemen. Well, people have been calling him the Nation of Domination 2.0, but I prefer to call him the Blacksis. And it appears as if it's not Kofi nor Big E who's taking the reins of leadership. It's actually, and Ex- I'm going to call no, it right, here, right, right. You say it, you say it. Malcolm Xavier Woods. <laughs> and it's not bad. Um, he, he's not the best Mike guy, but he, he carried it well. And I think he actually carries it better than Biggie and Kofi at this point. I'm sure. I'm sure people. Uh, I'm sure people have just been turned off by you know Big E's preacher Martin Luther King thing, and uh, Kofi is slightly better, but um, I, I don't think he would have had the chops to you know or or the or the background, the character background to pull off a gimmick like this. Actually, Kofi doesn't have a character, period, until, until now. now. All right, there you go. Until now. I, I love the white suit on, on Xavier Woods. And if he's going to keep wearing that white suit, we might as well keep calling him Malcolm Xavier Woods moving forward. Yeah, and well, um, again, uh, like I said, Kanina, uh, people have been calling this Nation of Domination 2.0. But uh, I would hold off on calling them anything really just yet. Because uh, they just said, uh, it's time to take what belongs to us. Whatever, whatever. Uh, instead of asking, whatever. But we don't know what they're all about yet. I don't know. I don't really know if they're all black power and stuff. For all we know, they just you know banded together because they're all they all recognize each other's talents. I wonder though what kind of role they'll play or which allegiance they'll be aligned with. If they're going to be the good guys or if they're going to be bad guys. For what it's worth, though, it's going to be a good tag team, a good addition to the tag team division. And if ever they win the tag team championships as a unit, it would also beg the question if uh, the Freebird rule would actually apply. And rumors uh, state that Mark Henry is also slated to join the, the group. Interesting. So to have uh, for, you know, the world's yeah, strongest man. New, new stable right there. Now, the only black guys that are missing are R-Truth and the guy from NXT, Jason Jordan. Yeah, Jason Jordan. Uh, nobody cares about Jason Jordan right now, but... Um, Nobody misses our truth either. Right. So um, I think it's okay as they are. Um, you know, Woods, E, Kofi, Henry. That's nice. And you know what? I'm gonna say this now. It would have been be- they would be better contenders against Lana and Rusev. That's an interesting point because we are going to get to that in our main topics for tonight. But right now, we got to close off our list of the things that we liked and didn't like about wrestling this week, which we call the spots, spots and, and botches, botches list. list. 
Hurry, hurry, hurry. Ladies and gentlemen, step right up, step right up. We have the most amazingly talented man of the world, the intellectual savior of the unwashed masses. Also a man of many disguises. Some great, some not so great, but always annoying. Step right up, ladies and gentlemen. Step right up, because this is... Silence! The Damien Sandow Weekly Update! And for this week's Damien Sandow Weekly Update, we have a lot to say just because of the fact that Damien Sandow actually dressed as three people this week. Uh, two of them you saw and one of them you didn't see on TV. Fortunately or unfortunately for you. Uh, actually, I wanted to see that one, <laughs> actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that was the most uh, you know, sophisticated thing he could dress up as. Uh, the <laughs> first uh, outfit he wore was at Battleground, which was set in Tampa, Florida, and he impersonated a beach bum. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it took... a. Uh, Took some people a while to get what that was, especially because he came out with his own theme song and his own theme music. I, I, didn't, I didn't really notice. I just, I just noticed that. Oh my god! Everyone in this battle royal is getting an entrance, right? Which doesn't really happen anymore either. Yeah. Now the second outfit he wore was when Raw was in Miami. He dressed as obviously LeBron James, the Miami jersey with masking tape on the word Miami and a crudely written Cleveland on. Ha, the wait, side. did you notice that they were in Cleveland last week? That's right. Oh, they were killed last week and Miz did the thing. Right. And now they're in Miami this week and Sandow did the thing. Right, right. They, they referenced LeBron two weeks in a row mm-hmm. and, uh, of course, in, a way, in, in an attempt to get heat from the fans. Right. And, well, and for the third one, you didn't see this because it happened on a dark match right before the Tuesday tapings. Uh, he dressed up as Rose. Not, not just any not, Rose. Not Derek Rose. But Adam, Adam Rose. Rose. Not Derek Rose because he met his week, this week's uh, basketball player quota. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So he dressed up as Adam Rose, complete with the entrance and the outfit. He actually looked like uh, like a Jack Sparrow lookalike. Uh, and it was kind of funny. Probably, like Rose said, the most sophisticated disguise that Damien Sandow has pulled off as of late. And well, the weekly update, um, this was better than last week's uh, thing. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, the Sonic thing. That was that was just flat out annoying. That was stupid. It was a waste of time. Something I should have skipped over, just like what Ro did with the Flow Rider segment. But this week, it was more tolerable, especially yeah, guess, because yeah. he kind of did have his moments. And I want to see him impersonate Adam Rose on on TV. Yeah, uh, he was phoning in LeBron actually, because maybe uh, for for one thing, I don't know if he knew how to impersonate LeBron uh-huh. at all, because he's white. And everything, you know. But he did try to do the Lance Stevens <laughs> yeah, impersonation. That was before when the whole thing was new. I think he was still trying then. But now he's just, you know, coasting along with the whole uh, impersonation gimmick. And I think, I think the difference, I guess, between the Lance gimmick, the Lance impersonation and the LeBron impersonation is with LeBron, the only thing you can really mock by impersonation is the decision. That's Wh- true. Whereas with Lance Stephenson, there's so many things you can do, like just by being flat out annoying. Number one, and number two, blowing on someone's ear. Right, right. Uh, well, not the best. Obviously, not the best impersonations. But step up from last week's. And speaking of the Sonic thing, uh, this week the Usos did the Sonic job, which is weird. Weird and a, well, a huge demotion for the tag team no, no, champions. No, no, it wasn't a demotion. I think because we you know they they walked out of battleground the champions. That is a great demotion in terms of like the TV time they got on the no, episode it, of no, Raw. It, you know, to me, it made sense. Come on, you got the, big, the two biggest guys on the roster right now doing a big spot for their sponsor. Okay. The sponsor would like that. Fine. Not I, a demotion. It's just a bad... It's just really... You know, uh, you, know, you know how product placement annoys us. And it's awkward. But I guess the WWE and the Usos had to do what was best for business. Right. And that is... Silence! 
the Damien Sandow Weekly Update. You're welcome. We actually have one main topic this week that we want to get into, and it's very relevant, especially in light of recent events. Huh, I, I'm so glad that you had to say that. Um, uh, actually, you know, uh, you guys remember, if you tuned into the podcast last week, I was going on a rant about how, you know, the real Americans, Jack Swagger and Zeb Coulter, did not fit the mold of what I believe should be, you know, faces in the WWE, in pro wrestling in general. Right. And, well, this time, well, first of all, let's discuss what happened with Lana and Rusev at the Battleground pay-per-view. Um, um, they, they cut a promo, and uh, as we all know, um, uh, last Friday, I think it was, um, uh, Malaysia Airlines flight uh, 17 uh, got shot down over Ukraine. And some people are blaming the Russians, some people are blaming the rebels, some people are... You know, it's just a terrible tragedy. Terrible tragedy. Um, but due to the fact, due to the fact that it happened um, so near uh, Russia, uh, and due to the fact that uh, a lot of people are blaming Russia for it, and that Russia is being characterized as the bad guy in this storyline in the WWE, it was only inevitable that uh, Rusev and Lana were to touch on it. Uh, you know, so soon after it, and they didn't just touch on it, but Lana actually referenced it by saying that. Don't blame Russia for the recent events that have been happening. And that drew a lot of heat from the WWE Universe in attendance at Battleground. Yeah, and you know, not just in attendance at Battleground. Everyone who was watching the pay-per-view, um, who, those who knew what happened. It's hard to not know what happened. Because it was in the news. It was a prominent news item. And a lot of people, news, yeah, and on the news everywhere. And A lot of and people cried foul about it. A lot of people cried foul about it. And, well, to be honest with you, first of all, Lana never really went there. She never referenced it directly. She never said anything about a flight. She never mentioned anything about missiles or about the Ukraine or about Malaysian Airlines at all. She just said recent events. And a lot of people were so quick to jump the gun, to jump to conclusions, and to fill in those blanks. Now, wow. Just because she said recent events, she must she must mean that we she was talking about the the crash. Bro, I gotta be honest with you. When she said recent events, I did think about the crash because I think that uh, I think that it was so so easy to do. It was so easy to attach to Rusev and Lana to their characters being Russian and Russian sympathizers for them to be sticking up for Mother Russia and saying that you know it's not their fault that MH17 went down. I'm going to tell you something about this that you may have heard recently. Okay. They never explicitly said that it was about the crash. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's so easy to apply context but to that is. situation. Yeah, it is. But it's not, also at the same time, it's not. You know, um, for all we know, they could have been talking about um, the recent political tension between Ukraine and Russia, the, the separatists in Ukraine, for those who are uh, somewhat in touch with international affairs you know what i get that then again there is also the point of view that in the reality era of wrestling which we are at it's so easy to just draw from real experiences and to incorporate that into wrestling storylines case in point when cm punk and triple h had their feud in 2011 sure. they brought up each other's real names on screen of, of course and that, that's so annoying when that happens by the way they break the fourth wall yeah, right then and there. there there's no um there's not much you know Good reason to to do that, other than to you know to wink at the smart fans who you know the, that this guy is called Phil Brooks and this guy is really called Paul Levesque. 
But um, there wasn't any reason for that. Anyway, digressing. Going back to the Rusev and Lana thing. Yeah, you're right. Um, uh, it, it's just so yeah, hard, it's so it's difficult so hard. It's so to difficult. look at it without the nuance of the reality surrounding the the crash and the uh, tragedy. Let me tell you something. When you heard the PLDD representative saying that we never explicitly mentioned that there was going to be a game, what did you think of that guy? I thought that it was a ripoff. What did you know? What do you think of that guy? Like, what do you think of him? I thought he was being defensive. Da- for, for, for having the audacity to, to say something like that. I thought he was being defensive, to be very honest with you. Would you paint him as like, you know, would you, would you say that, um, would you say that he isn't a good guy for saying that? Oh, yeah, definitely. There you go. That's why uh, I think it works with Rusev Alana. It works because it paints them further into that unfavorable bad guy light. Right, exactly. Um, they, well, heels have to do it to be heels. Because um, honestly, when you observe heels nowadays, I don't know whether you're a smart fan or not. Um, whenever a heel does a thing well, whenever he talks well, whenever he even wrestles well, whenever he insults the other guy well, he gets cheered. No matter what he does, he right. gets cheered. Because people are now grading uh, wrestlers on their performance by by cheering or booing. Uh-huh. That's instead of using cheering or booing to, you know, to establish a guy's um personality or car- character. Right. And we see that again in the example of CM Punk when he was a bad guy, people would often root for him because he's a great wrestler and because he can talk very well on the mic. Yeah, when he mocked Paul Bearer after his death, um yeah, it was tasteless, but you you saw some guys uh you saw some guys calling it brilliant because wow only only CM Punk can do something like that which is weird because you know um if we're going to go talk about tasteless things let's bring up an example from a couple years ago sure. remember when Titus O'Neil and Darren Young were the primetime players i miss that so much <laughs> it was a great team but what made that team so attractive when they started out was when they had the mouthpiece in their manager AW Abraham Washington uh, god bless you wherever you are right now AW was a great manager for what it was worth i love the gimmick i love how he had that wireless microphone and he was just barking so many random things at ringside and the one remark he made which ultimately got him fired was when he said that Titus Titus O'Neil was quote like Kobe Bryant in Colorado unstoppable end quote and that is a reference to rape it was a reference to rape it was tasteless yeah sure but it happened eight years ago the rape the rape happened eight years ago the the, The alleged rape the alleged alleged rape the alleged uh, situation involving Kobe Bryant happened some eight years ago and that got AW fired but you know Randy Orton can go around telling Rey Mysterio that Eddie Guerrero is in hell not long after Eddie Guerrero actually died and still Randy Orton is around Lana can you know run her mouth about recent events quote unquote and she's still around. And that's the thing to say. And the fact that you guys find it tasteless is, the f- is what makes it work for these characters. But um, well, you, well, you say Eddie's in hell. You hate Randy Orton even more for it. And You're damn right I hate Randy yeah, Orton exactly. more for it. Yeah, exactly. And he's just doing his job as a heel. But does it, does it really make it necessary to cross that line to actually be disrespectful and to be rude in order to do your job effectively? I think, uh, well, now more than ever, yes. Yes, it was. But um, if, we, if we go back to the Lana and Rusev thing really quickly, it was brilliant the way they did it. Because, like I kept saying before, they never really went there. They never did. 
it, it, it was just an allusion to the recent events that happened and everyone's minds just filled in the blank. Right. But okay. And if if um Lana uh crossed over and explicitly mentioned uh the crash and the while while I agree that um while I still stand that um while I still believe that um it was necessary in order to further her heel character, I also understand that it would have been less defensible. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Um my 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 opinion on this saga is that um rude things have to be said, tasteless things have to be said in order to to garner a heel reaction, a strong heel reaction. Cause uh yeah, like I said with Kanina, um heels get cheered nowadays and we have to keep finding ways on how to you know how to garner that negative heat that 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 really angry response look i get where you're coming from sure. because i i know how you think and i know your theory your theory about what makes an effective baby face in this day and age is when your baby face adheres to values that society likes sure. and society okay, finds yeah, favorable right yeah that's what i said so you know on the flip side you're, what you're trying to say is that to be an effective villain, an effective bad guy, you have to do everything that is the opposite of what the good guy is expected to do. Yeah. And if that involves, um, you know, shunning, shutting aside your your manners, your decorum, your code of conduct, then you know, so be it. But I just don't really agree with the fact that you have to stoop so low as to be very disrespectful to allude to uh, to events that really hit at the core of people who are part of your target market. That's what makes great heels so great. That they stoop so low. Don't you get it? No, I get that. I get what you're trying to say, but for the purpose of an argument, sure. I really just don't get I, I don't get the value in having to go below the belt. Because there's there's a difference between being a tasteful character vis-a-vis being a tasteless character. You have to stay classy. You have to be a heel, but you have to stay classy. Paul Heyman, for, you know, one of the most effective heel mouthpieces we've had in the history of pro wrestling, he hasn't really ever gone below the belt. When CM Punk did what he did, that was Punk and not Paul Heyman talking. That's true. But, well, Heyman operates on another level. Like I say, Heyman um, is still able to rile up the crowd in such a way. Well, actually, you know what? Heyman doesn't even get angry responses anymore. He doesn't. He, he did after Brock Lesnar beat the Undertaker streak. Yeah, that was I know that was because he kept parroting the fact that uh, um, you know un, uh, my client Brock Lesnar defeated the Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. But um, if you notice, over time people were were jumping on that bandwagon, on the Paul Heyman bandwagon, and people have been chanting along with that, him. That, that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to say. In uh, heels get cheered if they do their job well. Okay. Parang. I think nowadays you have to make it look like um, you're not doing your job well. I think I think okay, I think you just have to go for the cheap heat. <laughs> so the cheap heat really is what makes for an effective heel in 2014. Somehow I think yeah, because the reality era has changed up the math. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, um, a lot of a lot of fans now like wrestlers on their own merits. Not whether they're good or bad, uh, the character is good or bad, but whether, you know, this guy can work, this guy can talk, you know, um, that's what the fans are basing their judgment on nowadays. And I guess a great example would be Bad News Barrett, who gets routinely cheered despite still being a, a very obvious bad guy. And you know, um, people didn't, weren't on board with the whole Bad News gimmick in the first place. 
and he won them over with the bad news gimmick the same way Bo Dallas is winning Bo Leavers all around the world with his Bo Leave motivation gimmick. Exactly, and that's not supposed to happen with heels. Because how are we going to make our heroes if we don't make um, effective villains? Who is going to make our heroes if not the villains? And, and then we're complaining now of, of having characters we can't get behind, of having faces we can't get behind. We're complaining about John Cena not having an effective heel to go toe-to-toe with. But the last, the last great heel he was really um, uh, faced, he he's really faced was CM Punk. That's right. Yeah, because because well, CM Punk was such an effective heel, um, who eventually won the audience over as well. Yeah, because um, but he was an effective heel in the first place because he was willing to disrespect blatantly um, everything that we were supposed to respect about the business, not necessarily the business. No, yeah, fine. No, he did disrespect a lot of things about the business, he but he did that in such a way that he won us over, which sometimes I still actually have a hard time wrapping my head around. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, CM Punk was the last great heel opponent that John Cena had. Not even Randy Orton is an effective heel anymore. Um, um, there, cause, uh, while there are people who find him boring, yeah. um, while there are people who don't want him to be champion, there are also people who recognize that he, whenever you have Randy Orton on the other side of the ring, you're gonna get, a, you're guaranteed to get a good match. Right, right, okay. And and well, you also have Triple H. Uh, Triple H is the, one of the last uh, great heels standing because uh, he uses his um, his actual power as you know um, someone who has clout behind the scenes. Yeah. And you know and blurs the lines between uh, backstage and on screen uh, by being Booker Man. You know. He blurs land. That, that, and he uses that. He abuses that power, and that's how he becomes a heel. You know, he he blatantly holds down Daniel Bryan. Uh, you know, on TV, even though in reality he's actually elevating him. The more the more he works with him, right? He knows you want it, but he doesn't give it to you. That, that's a good heel, but uh, but uh, you have to you have to uh, observe that he has to mix in a real life uh, perception of him for, by the fans. Right, so now that you mentioned real life, uh, you know, Lana had to do the same thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, she, Lana also had to draw on uh, real events. Okay. And if that's what it takes, if that is what it takes to, to, to draw a positive heel heat nowadays, then so be it. Because we still need our villains. So Lana is the type of heel, like the type of bi- villain who would have to resort to every tactic in the book, everything to make you detest her so much that every time she appears, you're gonna boo you, boo her ass out of the ring. Yeah, because um, Inya, if she if she goes neutral, if she you know if she she actually um if if Lana didn't use so so much on a incendiary material, we would be cheering her because one she's hot. Yeah, she and, is, and she knows how to rile up the crowd. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, yeah, thanks to her material, we're now booing her and Rusev, which, in the end, does make them effective villains. But you compare Lana now to another heel who's getting a different kind of reaction, and you know, just uh, just like a lot of things have been going on, it's a bit tough to wrap your head around at first. I want to talk. We, you know, we have to talk about the Miz and the type of heat he receives now as the new Intercontinental Champion, especially as he tries to regain the form of that narcissistic, egotistical Johnny Cage character. And the he form has. of his old uh, main event run from three years ago. No, that was four years. Four years, years ago. ago. Sorry, sorry. Can you uh, believe it's been four wow, years since amazing. Miz wow. won Money in the Bank and won the WWE Championship? Right. Anyway, um, 
uh, at Battleground, he won the Intercontinental Championship, and that was after um, that was after Dolph Ziggler thought, and we all thought Ziggler won it. Uh huh. And and when Miz came back in the ring, snuck up on Ziggler and threw him out, and won the title afterwards, uh, there was silence. There was silence because I think. Everybody in that crowd had the same reactions we had when we were watching it live. There was absolute shock. Well, no, I, I wasn't shocked because um, I knew Miz uh, uh, rolled out of the ring early in the match. And, uh, well, I called Miz to be the winner. So um, I knew it was gonna ha- some shenanigans were going down. I would have been fine with Ziggler as the champion, but I knew shenanigans were going down. But, um, Yinya, uh, Miz went to silence, to stun silence. And it's not... Too different from how Brock Lesnar got some legit heat after defeating The Undertaker's undefeated streak. Right. And people have been calling this uh, that silence or the kind of heat Miz gets as the so-called X-Pac heat. And for those who don't know what the X-Pac heat is, it's when the crowd honestly legitimately does not want to see the wrestler performing at all. But get the fuck off my screen. And they, uh, of course, got that from Sean X-Pac Waltman. Yeah, who was kind of annoying uh, at the at the later part of his uh, WWE run, which was sometime in the early two thousands, if I recall correctly. That's right. That's right. And um, well, people. Um, okay, here's my theory on it. Um, on one end of the spectrum, you get uh, heels like Lana who have to use uh, tasteless material in order to get uh, powerful reactions, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you get guys like Miz, who people are honestly tired of. Okay. We're honestly tired of Miz because, um, well, uh, he regressed since his main event run. He's really more annoying. He wasn't, f- he wasn't a good fit for the face character, and people have been calling that the X Pac heat. And my theory is, um, while X Pac heat might have existed back then in a simpler time, in a simpler time in wrestling, um, I don't think it exists now. Um, I think that if the crowd does not want to see a guy on their screen right in front of them. The heel is still doing, or the heel rather could take advantage of that and use it as heat. You know what? A recent example of that type of heat, of a heel that would draw that type of reaction, would be Vicky Guerrero. Sure. And Grant Lance Bill Simmons, who is my favorite author, actually. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm going right. to have to put that on yeah, the record. You're, you're a Simmons fan. Boy. I am a Simmons homeboy. He actually called Vin- Vicky Guerrero as somebody who has, has X-Pac heat. Because every time she would come out, from the mere moment you hear the shrillness of her saying, excuse me, people would boo. But at the same time, it's not because they want Vicky to go away. Over time, we've come to realize, and some, some, of, some of us may feel we've come to realize it far too late, it's because she's become so effective at being so annoying that her mere presence has become detestable. Yeah, and that should be the same thing for Miz. But if you don't want to see him, uh, you know, wrestle right in front of you, come out right in front of you, then he's still doing his job as a heel. Maybe not as intentional as he would have liked, but I think um, I think we have to rework the definition of what it means to be a heel and um, make it so that whenever the audience just doesn't like you, you're automatically a heel, and especially more so if you're actually written as a heel, like Miz and Bo. Right, right. I, actually, if you're going to simplify things, if you're going to dumb it down to the most basic level, uh, you're the face of people like you. You're the heel if people don't like you. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. it. It doesn't matter how people don't like you, whether they legitimately don't or they don't like what you're saying, what you're doing. 
uh, as long as they don't like you. Because, like I said earlier, heels get cheered. But here's my question, though, uh, and this is something I kind of want to throw out there, regardless if uh, you know if if you want to hit hit us back on Twitter about it or, or not. Um, if if the premise is if people like you, then you're a face, and if people don't like you, then you're a heel. Um, if that's your basis as wait, wait, the wait, alignment, wait, 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 wait. wait. That's not for that. Wait, you're oversimplifying it. I only agree with you as as to um, if people like you, then you know. If people don't like you, you're a heel. Okay, okay. Um, but what I what I think is a face is remember what we agreed on last week that um, a, somebody who stands up for the virtues that society holds uh, admirable. Yeah, a contemporary society uh, holds admirable exactly. So okay, go on. No, no. I, I, what I was wondering was if it was actually possible, though, uh, or or how how would it be possible for for wrestlers to like mo- mo- modify their characters or modify their move sets to you know with respect to which allegiance they're actually a part of, regardless if good guy or bad guy, if they're just gonna base it off the crowd's reaction towards them. Because remember, you have a guy like Kofi Kingston mm-hmm. who's a, who's been a good guy ever since he yep. debuted, and more often than not, people. Don't really give a shit whenever he appears. No, um, actually, they don't give a shit. But um, he still gets face pops anyway because uh, he still res- he still wrestles an exciting style. Uh-huh. Uh, people still get riled up by his antics, it's his routine, and that's not a really a good example. But uh, what I'm saying is, um, at least with the with the kind of heel with the kind of heel reaction that Miz and you know people like Vicky Guerrero get, um, it's better to uh to not to be. It's better to not be liked by the crowd than to than for the crowd to not give a shit about you, like what they did for Charlie Haas when he came back for his last WWE run. And uh, that in itself has also become a type of heat on its own, which is called Charlie Haas heat, or the lack thereof, right? Uh huh. But and then at the same th- at the same time, you also can't classify what happened um, with uh, Miz and Dolph at Battleground as Miz getting X Pac heat because uh, um, the silence that followed Miz's win was a silence of shock. Um, if you ha- if you were expecting something big, and then a bait is- a bait and switch happened, I'm sure you would you would have been speechless and not in a good way. And it's happened before. We've seen that. Uh, I as guess recently as WrestleMania 30. That's right. As recently as WrestleMania 30, we also saw that when remember when Santino almost won the 2011 Royal Rumble. Yeah, right, right, right. That was the same thing that happened. Like, but I remember because I I was watching it live as well. Uh, right before the boo started raining heavily on ADR. There was there was silence, there was shock. But if you're going to if you're going to wrap this up, I guess if you're going to like summarize everything, is it fair to say that it doesn't matter anymore how you get your heat in 2014? Yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, what matters is the consequence that follows, not and- not the means, but but the consequence of what of of you know of your methods. But and I'm- when you say consequence, you're referring to the reactions. Yeah, to backlash. Um, not, I mean, like, not reactions toward the character, but you know, reactions toward the company. Right, right. For allowing something like that. That's the only thing that matters now. But is it, is it best for business though? Because if you have a publicly traded company like the WWE, That's true. allowing something like this to happen under their nose, and it's something that they green light, how is it best for business to attract the flack if it's going to draw heat for your characters? Do you get what I'm trying to ask here? Um, okay, yeah. Like I, th- there's a little bit of disconnect. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, once upon a time, it would have been good for business because uh, um, a lot of people would have, you know, uh, bought a lot of tickets to, you know, see the see the villains get uh, beat up by the good guy. 
But now we we live in a PC world. Uh, the WWE is now publicly traded. Um, I can see where it's not best for business. But at the same time, they had to do it. So how if, do you or, find that gray area? How do you walk that fine line? Well, honestly, I, I'm going to go back to what Lana did. Talaga. I'm going to go back to what she did at Battleground by by not explicitly mentioning the the crash just by saying by 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 using an umbrella term the recent events were the phrase that's that, that's i think that was a great gray gray area okay um, I, I i mean they haven't perfected it no not at all not at all it's um i will say that they yeah haven't. say because um political correctness is a really touchy it's a really you know really unstable ground to walk on and I honestly think that Lana handled it best. She was going for the, she was going for the 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 uh, the reaction uh, associated with that, but didn't go there. And I don't know who wrote it, if it was Lana herself or some or a writer backstage, but it was a clever move, really clever move. They were they were so brilliant, talaga, not going there without going there. Okay, I think that's fair. But over time, we're probably gonna have to look for that gray area because. There has to be some concern, man, coming from coming from the older audience of WWE. We all know where they stand as a business, as a company, and for as much as we love how the reality era is affecting wrestling and wrestling psychology right now, we don't want the WWE as a company to compromise itself. Yeah, we don't, and well, because of the things that they're they're showing on the product. Sure, I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say that this is necessary to look for storytelling. And for myth making and for creating new heroes, because uh, we're not supposed to compromise on things like this. Because again, who is going to make our heroes if not our villains? You know what? I have to give a shout out to the boys and the girls of SGP. They have been uh, fueling this discussion, I guess, since since Battleground, and they've they've brought up a lot of great points. One of them, uh, one one of them, Maro actually brought up a good point yeah, about true. suspension of disbelief. Yeah, right, and. It, it, it's, what I, it's what I've been saying. It's necessary because um, at the end of the day, everyone, everyone is wise to the business. Everyone knows it's a story. Everyone knows it's a work of fiction. And even though the, the lines between nonfiction and fiction get blurred sometimes, we still know that they're, they're a company putting on a show. And in order for the show to succeed, we need a good story. And if we need a good, if we, in order to get a good story, we need you know good characters to play the, the different roles. And again, like I keep saying over and over and over and over in this episode, who is going to make our heroes if not our villains? And if we don't have villains with teeth, we're not going to get good heroes, yo. But I think the one nuance we actually have missed out on is the fact that for all of the talk about the reality era and about real-world circumstances creeping its way into the product, at the end of the day, this is television. It's a yeah. work of fiction. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. No, that's what I said. It is a work of fiction, and that's something that we all have to remember, I guess, before we go up in arms and complain about how how so-and-so character said so-and-so thing that stepped on many sensibilities. We need this, or else we're not going to get a, a product that is exciting. Because it's like, you know, it's like trying to sell a sports event without drama. Drama sell, I mean, I, I, You know, sports have followed so much from wrestling in that they need drama in order to sell. They need uh, narratives. They need exactly, a good guy and a bad exactly. guy. And, 
You think the Spurs Heat finals would have sold as much, would have had, would have drawn as many ratings as as much ratings as it would have if the Spurs weren't the good guys, if the Heat weren't the bad guys? Yeah, um, you can call me an asshole, you can call me callous, you can call me shrewd about this, but I think that I'm just looking out for the business. This is actually what's best for business if you get down to it. Okay, I I think we've said what needs to be said about how to. Pretty much gain heel heat, effective heel heat in 2014, which is no easy task. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this as um, a wrestler because n- no way am I saying this from a position of knowing what it means to be, you know, a wrestler in the ring. But I'm saying this as a writer, as someone who knows, uh, who who knows how to tell a good story from a bad story. And if you know how to tell a good story from a bad story, then I guess it's it, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to actually come up with ideas on your own with how these stories should be told on TV. And this is our two cents. If you agree, you disagree, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. We are on Twitter. It's at Stan947. At Roazwar. And right now, let's close the podcast properly by giving you our pick of the week. Now, this segment is always and has always been about giving you and showing you the things that you had to watch from this week. It's something that we absolutely liked and would love to share with you. That's right. And my pick of the week is fairly easy because I've had them before, you know, a few weeks ago after Money in the Bank. And, um, well, as you can, as, if you can tell now, it's the Usos versus the Wise two out of three falls match at Battleground. Um, again, the, these two teams delivered. They did deliver. It was a great match. They had me from start to finish, but my pick of the week would be something different. I have a soft spot for promos, for segments right, where sure, somebody yeah. has a mic, mic in their hand and tries to just piss the crowd off as much as possible. Right. I'm going to have to give my pick of the week to Paul Heyman and the promo he cut on Raw. It was scathing. It was nice. And, you know, um, just like Triple H, they really tried to wink-wink at the smart fans without being too... Without being too douchey about it. Oh, by the way, uh, the Triple H promo to open Raw last night, that's a spot. It was a spot, especially because I liked how he referenced... Uh, he internet, referenced the internet. The internet, uh, right, right, right. And uh, the internet, which blew up because of recent events, because of Lana's uh, recent events quote, because of the Gila's last homestand <laughs> yeah. fiasco. I'm going to complain on the internet. Right, and but when you wake up in the morning, the same problems you had when you went to bed are the same problems that are going to greet and you when you wake you're, up. You're still watching the the product, no matter what. At the end of the day, who wins? Not you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the WWE wins, and uh, I, I think it's about time that we, you know, um, stop trying to uh, change the uh, change whatever we don't like, unless we can be united in an effort to, you know, to actually force them to do something about it. And this is why we would like to have every smart internet fan to rise, put your hand over your heart, and in a loud, clear voice. I'm kidding. I'm Fuck just messing you. with you. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, speaking of, um, a lot of good reactions about my, um, about my column about uh, the Zeb and Swagger thing. It's basically the same things I said last week on the, on the podcast. Um, my boy Ro here is trying to make his way back to the main page of Lords of Pain. Hashtag Operation Main Page. And I, I support that 100%. Do check out his columns in the LOP forums. Search for him. Ro is War is back, baby. Yep. And uh, I'm going to be coming back as well this week with the same things I said about being a heel. Uh, you can watch out for that. And, you know, I... I uh, reactions. I got a couple of reactions to my last promo, uh, to my last column. Uh, you know, from telling me that um, I've had a basis argument. 
but it's not because uh, most other reactions tell me that I'm I'm telling uh, uh, what I said was logical. So whatever your opinion is, whether you agree or disagree, stay neutral. If you just enjoy the podcast, if you didn't enjoy the podcast, let us know what you think. We are on Twitter at Stan947. At Rose War. I'm and, the guy with the black mask. And with that, we would like to say adios. Thank you so much. I'm heading to bed right after this. I need right, this right. And wait, before we leave, before we uh, leave the people hanging here, um, if you're listening to us on our Buzzsprout site at thesgppodcast.buzzsprout.com, don't forget... That you can also download the podcast on your uh, respective devices, not just from the website, but also from uh, the iTunes Store if you're on iOS and uh, your favorite podcast app if you're on Android. So we're everywhere. You can get it everywhere. That's right. You can get us everywhere. You can find us everywhere. We just need you to uh, find us to click play, click download, keep us on the internet. And tell your friends. And tell your friends. We're on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash groups slash Smart Gilas Pilipinas. If you find your way there because of the podcast, let us know. We'll give you a, sh- yeah, a just shout hit, out. Just hit join and you're in. Automatically, you're in. <laughs> and uh, with that, we're going to... Uh, close up yeah, this week's yeah, podcast. Well. <laughs> I, I need to get home. Yep, yep, I need yep. to get myself better. Right. And Ro needs to uh, get, get to bed as well. Yeah, thank you for listening to us. Peace. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.